Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you are. This is Marco Cipelli with ITSP Magazine, and this channel is called Redefining Society. If you pay attention to, to names, we're talking about society here, and we're redefining it. And <laughs> I think there is no better conversation about redefining something and for the society than talk about education. And uh, lately, for some reason, we have been tr time traveling. I had a, an episode, was talking about education in 2030, another one education in 2050. So we like to put our time travel helmets on or hats or whatever you want to call it, kick uh, the, the, the time travel machine and, and go somewhere. But today, we're going to be a little bit more grounded and we're going to start this conversation from where we left it. Now, you may think, well, I didn't hear this conversation is because we left it not recorded. And uh, <laughs> it was so good that we said we should have recorded this one. And uh, I'm not going to stop uh, blobbling here. And I'm going to introduce uh, Dr. Susa, Susan Bernstone, which is going to be my co-host, already joined me twice on an episode of, uh, of an ITSP Magazine podcast, fellow uh, mentor at the Mentor Project, uh, Susan Welcome to the show, and thank you for co-hosting this. Oh, it's my privilege. I'm so excited to be co-hosting today. And um, yes, I agree. We had a great conversation that we, at the end, it was like, why didn't we tape that? That would have been perfect. So I'm sure that today is just going to even be even better. And uh, I look forward to just what we end up talking about. Yeah, and who we're going to be talking is about another mentor from the Mentor Project, his name is Busayo Odunlami, and uh, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me, Marco. All right, so so Busayo, if we had a if we had a time machine, I'm going to go back there again, and we could have record that conversation. 
and listen to it. What do you think would have been the, the main thing that would have stuck in your head? And, and then we'll, we'll go talk about the foundation. But I'm curious, like, what, what did stroke you do, that conversation? I would sum it up by saying we were able to identify that it's very important to have a really good, as close to intermediate level for digital business and social skills, not only for life, but also for your professional life. We also then added the caveat of the global transformation through just technology and the internet, but then also the pandemic, making everyone entrepreneurs. And, and you know, most individuals who weren't in corporate had to learn, how do I take whatever it is that I do and package it and sell it to the world? How can I take myself as an individual, develop my brand and use that to help so I think that was sort of um, that initial foundation. And then even more importantly, we spoke on the need for a lot of the soft and social skills, especially knowledge of self, but also knowledge of self in relation to others. Um, because sometimes not having that knowledge of self can actually hamper communication. You know, if you know that your communication style can be abrasive, being aware of it and communicating that to another individual to say, hey, Sometimes my communication style can be a little bit abrasive. If that is how you're perceiving me, please let me know so that, one, I can be aware of it and make sure that I'm using the best practices in communication to explain the message so that it's understood. And the, the, the second part's yours, Dr. But it was just <laughs> a, a specific social skills, active listening, empathy, etc., as you were saying that, I was just thinking, like, right now in the world, could you imagine if more people had that skill to be able to do that, how much, you know, better our even current society would be, right? Yes. Especially coming out of the last few years. So, um, How's our social media, bullying. <laughs> every aspect, right. Right. But it, it comes to my mind every time that we say in today's society that it seems like we never had this problem in the past, I feel like we always have this problem, just that now it's with the communication that we have with the social media. I don't know, like when I talk to my dad, it's like, yeah, back in my days or my grandpa, but back in my days, life was so much easier. And I could go, you know, I would go uh, to work uphill both ways, like was harder, but was better, right? <laughs> but today it's, it's just more amplified everything we do. That, well, yeah. that's it. I think the issues are all the same. Um, some of them, not all of them. No, nothing's ever all, but most of them are the same. But because of the instantaneous with technology, and that's where technology comes in, what it has allowed is that everything is in the moment, which makes the social skills and the awareness even more important because before, when we didn't have the technology to get the information to other people, pre-telephone, when people had to mail letters and actually write a letter to another human being, you could read somebody's letter, right? And then you might like what you see, you didn't like what you say, maybe you had a response, but you're gonna, you're gonna write the letter and as you're writing the letter back, you might crumble it up and go, oh, I'm not going to share that. I'm going to rewrite it. That's not what I really want to say. But now with technology, it, we're, we're, it doesn't force us to take that break. People are going on instantaneously and then regretting what they say. 
So that's the piece of technology that comes into emotions because it's, whereas before the technology, you were forced, right? Like sometimes I think about that. Could you actually imagine communicating with a loved one and having to wait a week or more for the communication back? Like tell that to a 15-year-old today. (laughs) What's a record player is the first question they would ask you. <laughs> um, and I do, I do agree with you. The, I think we all have the – every generation that passes always says back in my day. So that's something that's has always sort of been there. Um, and, you know, I think you did mention the fact of that glaring effect of technology forces you to – it provides the illusion that you don't have to think and you don't have to rewrite. And not having the proper education on technology, especially with our growing youth, so maybe Gen Z, they're not aware of the everything is recorded now forever, right? Because if I'm sure for my, my, my fellow co-hosts, if you look at, there are some things that we did in high school or even said in high school, you know? We never had the social media. You know, if you take social media and you take it back the 20, 30 years, I'm sure there's some things that we're probably not proud of. So I definitely agree with the with this sort of magnifying effect of technology and in an environment where there is very little attention to building those emotional um, intelligence skills and active listening and just really being able to communicate effectively, that's gone. And that also probably adds a little bit of the turmoil, right? And if you take that into the work life, it can even affect corporate because now in corporate, for example, I remember we would have these like MS Teams or some sort of an instant messenger. So you're trying to do your work and you, you have to balance doing your work with the messages that just keep flooding in. So it's also having a little bit of the discipline to say, how do I check my email? I read something the other day that stated email ones to do for you. So sometimes you, you start your day with the email and it could actually negatively impact your day versus these are my tasks for today based on wherever my work program are. And, oh, by the way, these are my tasks in juxtaposition to whatever it is that's on my to do for others, right? Because it's the email is sort of not really yours. And, I don't really know if there's really a way to manage that because even when you leave work, most individuals are still tethered to their phone or even to their instant messaging services, which is why some countries are explicitly either providing provision for uh, employees to say, if you're working after office hours, there needs to be some compensation or saying, hey, this is a hard stop unless there's like sort of an emergency. Usayo, before I, I, I have so much to say to that, but I think this might be a good place for you to introduce yourself because the listeners, although they know who we are, some of them, yeah. um, you know, I can certainly reintroduce, but why don't you sure. talk a little bit about who you are? Because I know that you just alluded to some background in the business world, mm-hmm. but also you have an unbelievable foundation and mission that you are working on. And so if you could talk a little bit about that as well. Sure. So uh, step one. A. <laughs> um, my name is Busayo Dalami. I am also a member of the Mentor Project. My background is T-shaped. I started my career in global development at the World Bank, where I would call myself where I came of age. I got a chance there um, to work with 
global leaders and uh, business units uh, within the bank and also outside of, uh, of the bank. And the bank is what we sort of call the World Bank Group. While I was at the World Bank, I got a chance to do a lot of business transformation. And this can be organizational development work. It could be knowledge management work. The path to the foundation started at the bank because I was, like others, in volunteer roles where we would start these sort of youth affinity groups to help support uh, young entrepreneurs all around the world. And for, in my situation, being of African descent, I'm a Nigerian from New York, we decided that we had a very unique position here in the United States. So why don't we start a young African society so that we can take our privilege and help support African youth and entrepreneurs on the continent. So over the six to eight years of running these groups, I kept seeing that no matter what the focus was, agriculture, uh, women's health, women's education, even technology development to build the startup ecosystem, there was a core that that sort of stayed the same. That you, and those were digital, social, and business skills. Uh, so we started the foundation because we saw that digital skills, social skills, and, and business skills were the core when we look at the last 10 years of all those programs. And we also saw that technology was going to be very important for a lot of our target audience to be able to achieve their economic independence. And that was really the, the, the goal of the foundation to really start to get the awareness of sort of our core framework, because you can take our core framework and add a discipline and you're still able to, 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 to achieve the economic dependence, right? So I can give you a really two good, really good examples. If I, so in our use case, we, we were at a market and we saw one of the, the shopkeepers, it was uh, a single mother of two in Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire, late mid thirties. She was selling bracelets. She was selling these bracelets for about five to $6. Very, very personable lady, had a nice chunk of the digital bit, a, a nice chunk of the business and the social skills because she's at the market every day. She has to be aware of people from the empathy perspective, listening to what they're saying, the negotiation skills to sell. But we saw that there was a challenge there. One was if she had an online store on Etsy, she could be selling those same bracelets from 5 to $6 for 30 to $35, right? So it was clear that this individual really just needed to beef up her marketing, her digital marketing skills, have an awareness of the web market, even in terms of sourcing products. Because now if she has those digital um, internet skills, she can research the web cut down the cost for her materials, but more importantly, just by being able to create a store online, she can 4X her income. She's the breadwinner of her family. That was the essence of Billion Strong, was that we saw a billion people around the world across different ages and every different classification that's out there that can actually help themselves just by having those core digital business and social skills. The challenge that we faced was we, we launched right around COVID. So what COVID did was COVID opened up a new customer segment who were in our target audience. Uh, 
you have an individual who is digitally trained, maybe they're a political science major, or maybe they're a marketer, they're an artist, but majority of their income comes from their Michelin restaurant that they work in Midtown. Well, those restaurants were closed down. So a significant chunk of their income had been sort of wiped away. So now someone who was used to face-to-face word about marketing to sell their art now has to take all those same wares and figure out how do I sell my stuff online? Um, so one thing about the, 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 the foundation of the pandemic, the pandemic showed us that it wasn't, it's not the typical nonprofit, low-income countries or underserved communities, regardless of the country that were our target audience, but it was pretty much everyone, you know, uh, I worked at the bank, usually at the World Bank. You work there for about 25 years, you retire, and then you become an independent consultant. Well, you don't have the backing of the bank anymore. Now you have to be your the same independent thought leader you are, but online, right? So now we're seeing that the digital, social, and business skills aren't for just low-income individuals, individuals affected by COVID, but also people moving into a different stage in their career. So I can... Take a pause now. And well, then- it's so interesting. I'm just thinking as you're talking about you helping people, like you have your foundation. Was prior to the pandemic, was most of your work done live or did you already embrace the technology and it was mostly online or was it both? So it was a little bit of both. Right okay. up before the pandemic, we, we, were, we had a good traction on possible partners. So local cities around the country, the United States, that we're trying to figure out how do we engage our our, our local populace, right? And we were in, in talks with, the, with a, a city state in Florida where they had a really good plumbing and uh, water sort of port style gigs. But port style gigs and even plumbing, it's part of it is getting a little bit digital. Right. And if we look at port gigs and gigs at the port, machines are coming over that are going to now be doing a lot of the robotic work. Well, that means that there's going to be some coding that's going to be required for the current port workers to have the ability to transition as their industry is changing. Uh, so we we never got off the ground with working with a lot of those partners because COVID kept everyone inside. And then we pivoted a little bit to say, if you're someone like the use case of We'll call her auntie in the marketplace. How can she do quick assessments? So we got into this big rabbit hole of trying to build an assessment tool. Fortunately or unfortunately, our team, our, our interns got full-time gigs because they, they, they leveraged our framework to up their skills. So they obviously got more offers. And then our, one of my co-founders also had to pivot due to her professional uh, work really demanding a lot of um, her time. Because, you know, one of the things that's coming to my mind as you're talking, so what's so beautiful is here you are, you know, you have this idea, you have this foundation, the pandemic hits, and the work that you're teaching others, it's a parallel processing because you yourself and the foundation had to go through the same thing that you yourself was teaching others to do. So you yeah. weren't just teaching, you were actually living it, needing to do that because that's why I asked, like, was it mostly online or not? And it, it was, and even with your employees, right? And, and your yeah. And everybody that you too had to kind of transition and figure out okay how do why well, use those tools and right and do it both for your foundation as well as for the work that you were doing 
Yeah, and you know, prior to the foundation, um, I was still in. I was still working at Big Four Consulting. So the also the challenge is, you know, you're working with clients that are in multiple time zones, and then nights and weekends you're doing foundation work. The the balance also was overwhelming at times. Um, so I think also that probably affected our traction as well because the more time intensive. Uh, activities and tasks that I need to complete for um, my big four consultant gig, the less the foundation was able to continue to, pre- to create our social media posts and, and really engage with people. Uh, and then it was really more about conversations that I would have within the mentor project with, you know, individuals like yourself that kind of just kept me going and, you know, obviously focusing on future collaboration. Well, Mark, I, well, I know you value this, right, in terms of not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. And so what's what's great is that, you know, Busayo's foundation, he actually went through the same thing that he's now going to be or had been and now is going to continue to actually teach others. And he got to see it firsthand. And now he can he's really been walking the walk. Yeah, and, and this is probably I, I think we, with all this conversation with mentors, that's that's the core of it. It's like you know the the experience. It it's at the base of everything they've been transmitting. I mean, apart from of course, the writing, the books, and the recording, and the movies, and all of that. But from the beginning, it was storytelling. It was the the experience coming from one generation to another. So why reinvent? the wheel all the time, just make it better, right? So when you were talking, Busayo, I, I, talked about, I thought about that saying that says, you know, necessity is the matter of all inventions. Yes. But you also need the basic skill to, to, to make those inventions happen. Yes. <laughs> so the way that I see that the basic knowledge of those three section of having a 360 view on, on your future, I think it's very important. You don't need to go too deep in, in any one of this. I mean, is this your philosophy? In the, like given at least the basic and then people can grow it? Yes, that's a really good question. And I would say that a nice chunk of the basics, they fall under the the technology portion of the framework. And that's because the technology portion of the framework includes things like STEM, right? So STEM is sort of that core that you're going to need to understand to be able to go do something like data analysis, which is sort of towards the high end of digital skills. Then, you know, I mentioned at our not recorded session, the young, uh, the young man who was working in construction that wanted to figure out how do I take myself to the next level in, in, in my gig? And I had said to him, well, you know that robots and computers are gonna be doing a nice chunk of building. What is the coding language that is linked specifically to the construction industry? Because that's probably going to be your coding segment. If I am a digital marketer, I may not need to know coding specifically, but I would need to have a really good knowledge of using all these sort of, I would call graphic user interface products, right? So how can I work my CRM? How can I work my back end QuickBooks, you know, and doing these things effectively because you're basically your own boss, you know, a bookkeeper, even if you're not actually, you know, doing your accounting. Um, and then it sort of just goes all the way up. 
Uh, and then, you know, there's also one part of the digital skills that are super important now, especially with crypto and NFTs, which is basic intermediate cybersecurity training and, and education, right? So is password one, two, three, <laughs> a safe password uh, and, and sort of things like that. And the same thing happens as you go across the, the three pillars. When we look at the social skills, the foundation, I don't like saying communication because communication has so many different subsections. It's more of things like under the communication and the social skills, but it's active listening, empathy, um, emotional intelligence. And because of the pandemic, I would say this is actually the first one because Dr. Mernstone, remember we talked about knowledge of self and others. Mm -hmm. So the mental health piece is tied into the knowledge of self. You know, I took a walk before this because I need to center myself and I did a little bit of a stretch with my band to say, okay, let's get up. I, when I get up and I do my yoga and I stretch before I start my day versus not, the impact of my day is completely different, you know? Um, so I think things like that are also super important, you know? And then under the social skills too, you have things like art. You have music, you know, a lot of things, as you know, Dr. Bursa being a fellow New Yorker, a lot of things that are being stripped from, you know, sort of our educational curriculum. But I can't imagine not having that classical class that I had in, in ninth grade, because that helped me not only expose me even more to classical music, but it helped build my knowledge and yearning for all the other genres that are related to that, like jazz. And, and I know Marco has some awesome additions, so please. Well, you know, Busai, what you're, um, um, and, and then, I'm sorry, Marco, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I was going to call you in because oh, okay. I wanted you to talk about this thing. First of all, I love that you have the three pillars because they're all, each is very important and they also affect each other. They're, it's just not a one-way causal. And, you know, when you just talked about, Busai, what you just did before you got on this call, the way that I think about it, too, in many different ways, but one way, especially for business people, is that it's a foundation right? Like we all have to have the pillars that we need to build our foundation and to be in a really good place business-wise, right? How are you going to show up in your business? You have to figure out, I think, I think we all do, what do we need to keep our foundation sturdy? Because we all know that if you don't have that foundation, no matter what you do, no matter how great, and I'm not a builder, but you know, how great the windows are later on, or how great whatever beauty or high tech stuff, if that foundation is not laid properly, it's all gonna go away. So you can be really high tech, you can have those business skills, you can have all that, but if you don't do what you need for your own foundation, and I believe that there are general categories that we all share, but that within those categories, they're very individualistic. So even just quickly, Busayo, like you took care of your physical, you took care of your mental. You knew that like you needed before you could focus on a podcast or a conversation, you needed to go for a walk to maybe clear out whatever you did earlier. And that's important for you you know, and, and what do people need? And for that's where the self-awareness comes in. Like, what do I, like for me, I know that for my foundation, I have like a few things. I write every day. Mm. I have to exercise, I meditate, I have to eat well, I have to drink water. There's probably a couple of others. And when I'm feeling a little off, I go and I really think about what of my foundation did I not do 
if I skip exercising for a few days, I get really cranky. Yeah. And, you know, and then I have to go back and go, oh, I'm cranky. What, what did I not do? Oh, okay. And that's so key. And so for people who like, don't like the words emotional intelligence, or they don't want to think about, you know, there are people that just don't like that language and that's okay. So think about it as what you're building your own personal foundation. Right. When you get to business, you can show up. And so that's why I love Busayo that in your foundation, that that's one of the three pillars that you're really focusing on. There's so many reasons why it's important, but I know Marco wants to say something. I, I, I just have these pictures in my head where we're, we're talking about the individual that needs to have these three pillars, right? Let's call it the three pillars of, of your business future, but also your personal future. Let's, you know, let, we're talking about meditation and yoga and be balanced and everything. And we're all so good at, at giving advice and very bad at Taking them, uh, the story of my life. Yeah, Great consultant, or, 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 or even advising ourselves. Like, God, I don't know. I just said this to someone, and I'm not doing it. You know, right. but but then then I'm I'm thinking this and how so good it is because these pillars are going to go higher up. And now you look at the companies, and I'm picturing company like you know Google or Pixar, very creative environment. Uh, for example, Pixar. I'm a big Disney fan, so I've seen tons of documentary and they create that environment where they put things together they put area for conversation for eating together not the old school of you know the company is a cubicle and you don't interact with nobody because you gotta get the job done you get the better job done when you interact with people and when you can sell yourself, and here comes the business side of it, because it's not just about selling your product, it's selling your ideas. Right. Right? So right. maybe, Busayo, tell us about that, that business skill. That sure. And I was going to also suggest that because the business part is so large and I'm going to keep it very sort of high level because I do think that there's subsequent conversations that we can have specifically from the business perspective looking at if we're redefining society, that means that it's the Gen Z and what are the skills that are important for Gen Z, right? Because they're throwing their whole life on the internet, but then when you know a job offer comes and then they lose their job, it's like, woe is me, right? So when we look at the business perspective, it's linked to the fact that these frameworks when, when we first started, it was like, okay, we wanna help people start the next businesses, right? Because it was kind of very, low-income countries focus. So these are areas um, in the developing world and the uh, sort of middle-income countries that they need to build ecosystems for entrepreneurship. So we were just sort of focused on this towards, towards that end goal of, okay, how do we make these individuals better entrepreneurs? After the first year, while we were sort of still in development before we had a website and everything, it dawned on me that it's it's not just for people who want to be good entrepreneurs. If I have the three of these skills, I'm also a better employee. Because if I look at the business skills component, having that fundamentals of business and maybe some design thinking and a little bit of accounting and just, that means also that I can think of the business that I'm an employee in at rather from the perspective of management and leadership. So I understand, I get a little bit more of an inkling as to why leadership and management are doing what they're doing. 
so I guess for me, it's like the we are the business core now is not just always about you going to build a product or service, but it can even make you an ideal candidate for the entry level jobs, right? We sort of are always preaching at the foundation that these are sort of part of the core that's required for you to get access to entry level jobs. You know, I, I, a, a great uh, use case. So when I was still up in New York, there was a new coffee shop on my block in East Harlem, Frenchies. And I was I was I was working there in the afternoon, and you know in New York there's a huge population of the elderly that their main source of income um, is is picking up our our recyclable cans and taking them to the depot and and you had a lady she was kind of coming up with the block, and she you know she had the the cart where she was picking up the cans and she peered inside. To the left of this lady were two large signs now hiring bakers, now hiring customer service individuals, right? I would bet that that lady is already a good baker and that she can learn the French way of creating the pastries and the food at, at Frenchies. She's also a target you know, audience member. And how do we get an individual like that to know that they have a shot at those gigs? Right, because for three to six months there was only one person working at Frenchies, and she always looked so mad because she was doing everything. She was serving, she was cleaning, she was taking orders, and there were lots of individuals in my neighborhood in East Harlem that I'm sure, with the right upskill. So you know, we talked about the way New York could be abrasive, but having the awareness to know that for customer service, you have to take your personal self, bring it to work, but you have to put it in the back to focus on the fact that my job is a customer service facing job, right? So regardless of how people communicate in my culture, in the professional culture, I have to solve your problem with a smile. You know, Busai, I was also thinking, you said so much in there, but I wanna follow up with a question because um, you you talked about like the entry level social skills needed, mm -hmm. all, the, all, the, all the skills needed. Um, I was just listening the other day to research on the PETA principle, which is, you know, people people uh, are promoted to the level of incompetence. I don't know if you both are familiar with that. And, and, they, and you know, that's an old saying in, in, in this country, the PETA principle. So, but they actually did some research on that. And as you were talking, I was wondering, and I don't know, I, I, how, I don't know how long your foundation has been. I think it's just a few years. I, I don't think it's... Uh, it's changed over time. So um, when I was in D.C. for the sort of my initial stint at the bank, we focused more on running events and, and raising funds for nonprofits that help support some part of the pillar. Um, after I, le after I, I did a project at, at my big four firm, I saw that I didn't want to wait for my firm to, to help sort of support the space that I could leverage my network to at least have this entity that can we can build so it's sort of going its own way and it can partner with people as required. Um, so that's sort of, but prior to that, while I was still in DC, it was really more of actively engaging with nonprofits across the three pillar spaces. So it could be um, one really cool one was it was a, in South America and they. They did like a, they use music and street musicians 
and everything about that to help build a community to then help uh, the individuals who are in in those areas find little ways to make money because they had a lot of and then they what they would do is for the street musicians they would then give them entrepreneurship training right because what I was thinking is that I was thinking ahead, right? So I'm thinking also futuristic in that. So all the three pillars that you're teaching, and maybe you know somebody needs more of one, and you you mentioned you were improving their uh, candidacy as an employee, making them a better employee. And I'm thinking, wow, like down the road, does it also make them a better manager also? Because we know that there's management level and above that they're missing some of the, especially the people skills and that. And, and I was just thinking ahead to, so, you know, I'm already thinking, okay, do research, see, you know, long-term. And, and I, so I, I know that you don't have that yet, but it'll be interesting to see. And what your, I'd like to know what your thoughts are on that. You know, so that's, that's getting into my down the road career. When I go to doctoral, I'm still about eight years away, but you know, for me, that is a huge part of success in op in in at work because I have this theory and indulge me here. You have a lot of managers that are promoted because they're technically skilled, but no one takes the time to help build them as managers. So I'm going to get into my org site, right? So that's how do I communicate up? How do I communicate down? Um, group dynamics. I'm a manager with eight to nine direct reports. We need to go through the norming, storming, performing stages to actually reach that optimal area. Are these managers even aware of it? Right? So I, I totally agree with you that there are, there are parts of it um, that are required. And, you know, for managers and middle management, it's really hard to be a manager today because you you become a manager they give you direct reports now you've got like these managerial things that are required for you for the firm for its financial success you still have to upskill your leadership skills you also have to upskill your own skills so that you can become a senior manager and partner etc um all real time right so uh, at least for a a lot of the, the, the companies that we were working with, we were helping them to start to build centers of excellence um, for change management and help, help for leadership development to make sure that there was enough uh, of a balance and not really just putting everything on the managers. And, you know, in terms you're right. And, you know, in terms of Marco with technology, you know, so many people are really good at like the technical part, let's say writing programs or doing something. And what happens is sometimes because they're really good at that, they get promoted to lead their their unit or that you know that division they don't have management they don't know they, they know how to do the technical stuff and then but they're not taught that other pillar and maybe they're not even interested but so that's you know that's another uh oh don't don't, don't get me started with, <laughs> with management and, and team leadership because when you're a manager you 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 manage a team and i have so many examples in my head of how to do that wrong yeah. <laughs> and many and not so many on how to do it right and i think that for a management position of course you need to have the technical know-how and the business know-how to get there but if you don't have that social skill of keeping your team to i mean think about you know let's an example of sports, right? Or, or even music, a conductor. He's it, not the one that knows how to best play each single one of the instrument. He's the one that actually brings the best out of the best that he can get. And so 
as a trainer or, or a soccer team leader or whatever it is. So yet again, another huge conversation that we could, we could have. And <laughs> my job now is going to be this. It's going to be this was, a, I think, a, a, an introduction to what this conversation could be as each one of these pillars can break down in so many different areas. And I think this is the example of it. And I was sure it was going to be like this because that was our <laughs> pre-recorded <laughs> conversation. So uh, if, you, if you all agree, I, I would say uh, I'd be more than happy to have more of this conversation. Uh, bring maybe together with the three of us one more person on different episodes to tackle more specific because we definitely need more time to talk about all of this. And uh, I, I love, Susan, your, maybe your last uh, wrap for this conversation. I just had mine. And then Busayo maybe can tell us how people can go and learn more about the, the foundation. Yeah, I just want to say this was great. And um, like I said, with the foundation, I love the interplay with the three pillars. And it's so important. And I also just want to, this is kind of a conversation starter. I'm going to end with this, that... It's okay to also not be great at all three of them, but to be able to know what you're good at and then know you what, what angle, know where you need some more help, but it doesn't mean you're going to be that expert and to stay in your both. It's a kind of a tricky balance, right? So you always want to improve, but also know, and then maybe get feedback and open yourself up to get feedback to others as well, because that's the important component too. Because sometimes we think we're really good at something and then we hear from others, Oh, no, not so much. So it's both. So I think it's great. And I'd love the conversation and love to continue it. 100% agree. In fact, I was just thinking about sort of future. What does business skills look like for entry level? What does business skills look like for managers? What does business skills look like for the C-suite? Right, because they have a even much more difficult task now of corralling an organization that's changing real time, locations changing. They have to figure out how to build a culture that can replicate the best parts of the face to face online. So it's definitely a tall heap. I definitely look forward to to additional conversations, and you can find us, the Billion Strong Foundation, on billionstrong.me. So that's billionstrong.me. Wonderful. And we are going to have some notes on the podcast. So there will be link to this okay. link to uh, your social media, as well as the Dr. Susan and myself. So if this conversation made you think we did something good today. And uh, if you have questions, please go ahead and, and comment on social media. Let us know if you would like for us to talk about something else. And uh We'll just keep redefining society because the end, I don't think it's never going to be finished. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're always looking for partners. So, you know, these are absolutely from, from government all the way to private because you, you do have now with like this for push for build back better across the country, you're going to have pockets around the, uh, around the country that are going to need to upskill their local populace you know, across the three pillars and then tack on whatever industries that are, you know, sort of popping up there, at least for us in, in, in the Southeast region, manufacturing is pretty big right now. So being able to sort of upskill our local, uh, we, we have a lot of work that needs to be done here 
in the states and around the world and you know we obviously definitely need to upskill everyone as much as we can yeah and people can learn more about that on the website so do that stay tuned um susan thank you so much i, I really enjoyed this first co-hosting experience with you yes and, it was great Marco. thank you so much and i hope we'll uh, we'll do more Right. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't even know what is a co-host anymore, I guess. It's just a conversation. We're sitting around this table and, and having virtual table, by the way, and having this conversation. Well, thank you very much. Stay tuned for more episodes and check out ITSP Magazine for more stories and more interesting conversation at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society, of course. Thank you all. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.